This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Good morning, good morning to all our wonderful listeners. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show. I'm Adol Kozilski and spring is definitely in the air, but what also is in the air is that it's almost Erev Rosh Hashanah. And I know certainly for the women folk out there, we are very, very busy planning, cooking, buying, shopping, trying to work out menus. And oh boy, if you're trying to stay healthy, um, it's actually quite a feat. So Fagi, good morning. How's your cooking going? Wow. When it comes to Rosh Hashanah, I'm quite amazed at how much we can actually accomplish. That's pretty amazing. And as you say, being hungry and going into the shops and just wanting to take everything off the shelves, but so far, so good. Well, I think that we've, we've, we've spoken a lot to our listeners about the art of eating healthy. And I do remember when I, when I started on this journey 30 years ago, um, my son had to go on a special diet, gluten-free, dairy-free, and all I did was give him water and rice cakes. I became so crazy that I actually ordered a box of rice cakes from the supplier. <laughs> to this day, he just eats <laughs> rice cakes. Um, but we're going to get you out of your misery today because we are super excited to bring onto the show an international best-selling cookbook called The Food You Love. And the uh, author is Rory Weisberg. She is the author of the newly released cookbook, Food You Love, that loves you back. And what is her passion? Her passion is making a healthy lifestyle, doable and delicious, favorite foods included. And Rory is also a health ambassador for kosher.com, a popular health columnist, a lecturer and founder and CEO of Full and Free, which is an exclusive line of Better For You Baking Essentials. So we'd love for you to just listen up and join this conversation. And without further ado, good morning, Rory. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. Is this your first uh, is this your first international interview? Uh no, I think I have had a few, but I'm so excited to meet you. In Africa, has anybody in Africa asked <laughs> no, you? No, 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 no. <laughs> Just to tell the listeners out there, actually Adel um contacted me and said she found the most incredible book in the bookshop. And I must try and contact this lady. I have all the ways of contacting this special woman in America. And I said, actually, I know Rory. I've been in contact with her already. So thank you, Abel. <laughs> it, it landed up being easier oh, seeing that I had a little communication with you, Rory. And thank you so much. I think as much as, as myself and Peggy have gone a journey um, on our own journey of health, um, I believe, Rory, you have. And maybe help our listeners understand how did you get onto the path of health? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you. Sure. I'd be happy to I actually write all about it in the book because this really was just, it was really a journey. Um, I grew up, you know, standard American diet and standard American dieting. Like to me, healthy meant diet soda as opposed to regular soda. Um, I didn't know that you could make salad dressing. I thought you had to buy it in the grocery store, just like you had to buy, you know, mayonnaise. I mean, you could make that stuff. Like it was like mayonnaise and oil. Those are ingredients that you buy. There wasn't a concept that you make those things. Um, and I always, I always had a sensitive stomach, even when I was in seminary and when I was younger, but not, nothing that was really super invasive. Um, after each of my children were born, I definitely noticed um, just a little bit more digestive symptoms kind of playing into the picture. But again, you know, I, I actually, I, I think I got off dairy after my first and, 
you know, like little changes. And it, it was fine. After my fourth was born, however, um, my body went kind of crazy. And I my, my whole temperature was off. I, I just I felt I, I couldn't sleep. I was wired and tired. And my digestive system just went absolutely haywire. Um, also, my joints, I was starting to have a lot of joint pain, I literally couldn't write more than two or three sentences at a time without my, like having to stop and like, you know, roll my wrists. And like something is very, very off. And long story short, I ended up going to my OB at the time. And he was like, Oh, postpartum, you know, anyway, after you know, really feeling like I was going, like losing my mind. Like I wasn't sleeping. I was feeling so jittery and I lost all of my baby weight, like super, super fast, which had never really happened before. Um, I, I finally went back and he's like, all right, let's do some blood work. Turns out I had postpartum thyroiditis. My TSH, my thyroid was extremely overactive. And they said, this is common after having a baby and there's really not much to do at this point. Like it usually will, it'll settle. It'll either go back to normal or it'll settle usually in overactive and then you can treat it then. Anyway, I waited and I waited and I waited. And in my case, what happened was my thyroid kept jumping from overactive to underactive. Um, but what was unusual about my case was my, when I was in overactive, my numbers were extremely low, which means your thyroid's super high. But when my numbers were when I was feeling the symptoms of underactive thyroid, my numbers were really were in range. So they didn't, they couldn't, they didn't want to treat me when I was feeling underactive. And when I was overactive and they wanted to treat me, I didn't want to do the treatment because it involves completely destroying the thyroid. And I really didn't want to go that route. So this went around about for about five years of jumping back and forth and all the symptoms that are you know involved with having thyroiditis. Your thyroid is literally like the thermometer in your body. And when it's off, like, I can't even tell you how many symptoms I was feeling. Anyway, I was very frustrated and I was finding very little relief in the medical world or very few options. It was really just suppressing symptoms with lots of side effects. And so I decided to try to educate myself. And I went on Dr. Google <laughs> and I just started looking up, you know, like what, what are some natural things to do to help? you know, with postpartum with thyroiditis. And I just kept coming across this concept of inflammation and autoimmunity. And there were also certain, you know, things genetic in my family that I was starting to sort of put together this puzzle. And I was very, very weary because I didn't want to give up certain foods. I didn't think I could live without them. And um, at a certain point, though, after really educating myself, I decided that I was worth it. And my family was worth having a healthy mother. And I was going to go on a three-month experiment and take out all inflammatory foods or foods that I was educated to understand were caused inflammation and an autoimmune response in the body. And I was going to also, and I really try to emphasize this whenever I speak, make changes in my habits because food is one piece of the puzzle. I cannot emphasize that enough. I put a tremendous focus on sleep, stress management, hydration, and 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 balanced movement um, and made these changes in my food. Yes, it was a lot to do at once. And I probably didn't take it all on at once. I think I definitely started with revamping my kitchen and sleep was something I put on the on in right away. For me, that is what I call a keystone habit. Um, and within about two to three weeks, I already started feeling a huge difference for, for sure. Like in my digestive issues, I saw a difference, my energy. And within like a month, six weeks, I was like, I can't, I, I haven't felt like this in memory. And that's it. I was just committed. I was hooked. I said, this is a lifestyle. I want this. And the next step was 
feeling like too limited, I guess is the word, just like how many, how much like mushy spaghetti squash and like roasted carrots and grilled chicken can you how eat? How many boxes of like, rice cakes uh, can you buy? How many yeah, boxes so, of rice cakes? Right. So I wasn't even eating rice cakes at the time. I mean, I'm, yeah, I mean, it was really, really mostly plant-based foods for the most part. Um, so it, it was really, that was the next challenge. It was first, you know, mapping this all, figuring it out with Hashem's help, really coming to a solution. But then it was, how do I make this a lifestyle? We are talking to Rory Weisberg, and we are talking to a very wise lady who actually listened to herself, listened to her body, and went on the most incredible health journey. And we are inviting you to listen up because you can do this as well. We are going to be back shortly. This is 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Welcome back. And we are talking to Rory Weisberg, who has written a newly released cookbook called The Food You Love That Loves You Back. Rory, just before the break, you were telling us how, uh, you're, you know, it's it's interesting. All the time I keep on looking now back in my life and seeing all the difficulties that one faces um, are there to actually mm-hmm. teach you something. And you've got to stop and listen. And um, it's incredible that you actually said enough. I've had enough. And our tagline after healthy you, wealthy you is, are you sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? So I guess that's where you hit it. Yes, exactly. And I actually said those words. I said, I'm sick and tired. I mean, I said it many, many times before I actually made the change. Um, But I remember the moment. Like, I remember the moment where I had had enough and nothing felt worth. You know, making a change is so hard. But I got to a point where not making the change was harder. I find it so interesting, though, you know, um, when I would at my salon, I would meet people and I would speak to women who are, you know, either my age or women that are older. And so many of us were feeling the same symptoms. And I said, oh, my gosh, we're Mm -hmm. so similar. We have such similar personalities when really people don't realize that they're feeling those symptoms that you that are not normal to feel. Right. I say they're normal because so many of us live it. So it meaning there's nothing unusual about you. You're actually just responding to the instructions that you're giving your body. Different foods and different habits give our body different instructions. So yes, it is very normal that if you are eating a highly processed diet, not getting enough sleep, not hydrating, not getting movement, it is normal to feel lethargic and weighed down and miserable and brain fog and achy and have digestive issues and, you know, and, 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 and. So it is normal because you're giving your body the instructions to produce that. But is it the way we're meant to be? And I, I mean, I've done a lot of interviewing of, um, particularly my grandmother, but I love speaking to people who grew up in a different generation, specifically in Europe, where they didn't have the food like substances that we consider food today. And I love asking them about their lifestyle. It was normal. Mm. It was, it was normal to eat three meals a day. It was normal to sit at a table when you eat. It was normal to eat seasonal food. It was normal to eat cooked food. They didn't have the processed ingredients that we have today. People, even even like my husband, who kind of is 51 years old, he's, and it's not so, he's like, we didn't bring snacks to school. Like, yeah. What's with this like chip bags? Like you ate breakfast before you went to school, your mother packed you lunch and 
came on like this constant snacking, like our life has changed so much. Our lifestyle. So, so when, when you followed Dr. Google and you started seeing the results on yourself, did you only practice on yourself? Because one of the things I was talking to, to somebody a little while ago, um, who has an autoimmune disease and was like, you know, she was battling because she goes and says, I hear that I have to fix myself, but my children, my husband, they're not going to buy into it. So how did mm-hmm. you transition from, did you just do it for yourself for three months and then say to the others, hey, you hop on board? Mm-hmm. How did you cross the barrier Great. from self into getting your family to eat a healthy lifestyle? So it was a huge journey and I did a lot of things wrong, but I learned from them and I feel like I've kind of found a good balance. And when I work with women and I talk about it, I, I try to share my pitfalls and kind of what I learned. So originally I totally focused on myself because I didn't even know what I was doing. Like I was like, okay, like right now I just made that what them what they like to eat and I just was cooking for myself and it was very difficult to make different foods all the time. But I knew that until I really was even sure I wanted to do this, I wasn't going to mess with my kids. But for me, what happened was as I was educating myself after about two months of doing this, I wanted to learn more. And that's when I decided to go back to school and get certified in integrative nutrition. And what happened during that process was I overlearned. You know, when you get like overeducated and you're just like <laughs> all day long hearing about health and like, and, and also in the, in the course I took, they actually wanted you to learn every different food theory, which was actually very confusing. It was actually a period of time where I actually was going a little crazy because one week we were learning about veganism and the next week we were learning about paleo. And then we were learning, like it was, there's so many different theories out there that claim to be the healthy way and what the school I went to really their their concept was one man's food is a different man's poison and that there isn't one way but there were certain basics and foundations so I was going through a period where I was learning so much and I think I went to an extreme of like we I can't give my children these ingredients like they were like poisons to me almost and then I kind of over time mellowed and I was like okay that's not going to get anybody excited to, to eat healthy. And I don't want my children that growing up with phobia, <laughs> right? And, and like, this is not emotionally healthy. And I had to kind of pull back. So there was definitely like that swing that happens in my life. But what I, when I kind of found the middle was when I realized that as the Akara Sabayas, as the cook, I had an opportunity to upgrade the food that my family eated by upgrading the ingredients. So I wasn't going to make them change the way they like to eat. My son who loves potato kogel, I was going to make him potato kogel, but I was going to make it with Yukon gold potatoes instead of white potatoes. I mean, I I tried making all the sweet potatoes that, you know, only some of us would eat that. (laughs) But okay, we're going to, and instead of using canola oil, which does not exist in my house now, for probably 12, 12, 13 years, but we were, I was using really high quality olive oil and, you know, I'm using organic eggs. And yes, is it the healthiest food? I mean, it, it's it's whole food. It was still healthier. Or when my son loves, like, loved my old duck sauce chicken. So I found a way to make a, my, you know, DIY duck sauce using, you know, a jam, an apricot jam that had no extra preservatives or added sugar and coconut aminos instead of soy sauce and sauteing onions and garlic and adding spices and good quality olive oil. And it had this really great flavor to it. And I just kept working on recreating the foods they were used to with quality ingredients. And that was really my goal for my family was just to offer them the foods they loved with ingredients that I knew were better for their bodies. At the same time, if they wanted soup croutons, soup mandals to put in their soup on Shabbos, I bought them. 
I didn't want it to be a struggle. I what, realized what, that, that what, was, happened, what happened to things like breakfast? Because breakfast, uh-huh. um, I know, is like, give me the cereal and give me the milk. And you go to both of them, no. <laughs> like, what, right. what did so you do with breakfast? I, so I, I, in my, I don't know, in, what, what worked in my house was just offering them way better breakfast. Like, who wants cereal and milk when your mother's going to offer to make you sourdough with eggs and guacamole or homemade pancakes? Right. With maple syrup, 100% maple syrup, not the stuff with high fructose corn syrup. So I rearranged my schedule that my mornings at the time of the day that my kids came down, I was available in the kitchen to be the breakfast maker. So I just stopped buying cereal because they were so happy to be eating my sourdough waffles that, hello, you cannot compare to any cereal market they're amazing and i would make them that with a uh, you know my, my ice cream that i make and i put that on top of the waffles and we would and i would sit and eat breakfast with them so breakfast became a real meal in my house um and different people like different things and i am probably some people will be like, well i'm never doing that i probably i really do accommodate more than maybe is normal because it really i really want them to eat well so i do make that a priority um and i yeah i mean i just stop buying cereal because they're so happy to eat the other foods that I make but it does require time and effort is that how you came about with making your mixes so my mixes was an interesting journey um for about six months I did not wash and bench which was very hard for me um I really knew that there was nothing out there that I couldn't that would work I tried the frozen stuff and the gluten-free matzo is like, oh my gosh, like, I don't think it's, it's, it's impossible. Um, <laughs> and that's it. And I tried to, you know, wash without a bracha and does a kazayas and bet. And it just, it would mess me up after every week. And my rub said, it's not Onek Shabbos. You're not supposed to put yourself in harm to wash and bench. And you know what I actually did during that time was I bought, um, I would read benching in English. And I actually bought a safer that like, I learned about benching. And I have to tell you, that I, it made me miss benching so much. And it, it has made benching such an important mitzvah in my life. And I wanted it back. At the same time, my oldest son at the time, he's now 922, 22, 23, whatever, 22, I think. And um, he actually got mono. And at the time, I was already very educated on autoimmunity. And I was like, okay, he was not getting better. I took him off gluten, sugar, corn, dairy, soy. And within two weeks, he was back in school. And it was amazing to watch like his body just regenerate from getting off of those foods. And of course, the oils. And um, he was so committed. He felt so much better. And like there was he was he likes real food. So it was fine. But bread, it was like, you know, we want to take sandwiches to school, whatnot. And I I needed to find a way to make it work. So he was really my motivation. Um, I got a, a recipe from a neighbor of mine whose husband had celiac for a gluten-free bread. And it was like, eh, it wasn't great. And from there, I decided, let me see if I can make this better. And where that came from was because I, I think we got to cut this part off was that when I was getting sick of just eating like the mushy you know, spaghetti squash and the roasted carrots, like I had said, I was like, I, I miss muffins. I miss ice cream. I miss good food. Like I, I need to make this better. And I just, my sister coined me the term a mad food scientist. And I literally would just, I, there was very little out there at the time. We're talking 12, 13 years ago. Um, so there was this, there was a website called Against All Grain and Alana's Pantry, not religious ones. And there was this one woman, Rachel Weiss, who did the specific carbohydrate. Those were like my Bible. And I would study them and try to get concepts and ideas. and like, oh, you can use nut butter instead of flour. That's cool. And I started just 
playing and I would just literally throw out food if it didn't come out good. And I didn't care because I was like, I'm gonna, I have to try to make this work. I think I always had that creative, you know, nature to me. Anyway, so I was used to experimenting with food. So with the bread, I just kept trying different flours, sifting something, mixing something, adding more of this, adding more of that. I think it took about 20 something tries and one week and every Shabbos, this was what we looked like at the Shabbos table. Everyone would eat the challah and they're like looking at the, you know, ceiling and mm, mm, mm. a little dry, <laughs> eat a little more, you know. And like I said, I don't think regular families uh, analyze the challah, but we did. It was like a weekly and one week my son goes, mom, this is fabulous. He's like, my friends would eat this over regular bread. And I sent it to school with him and I'm like, have them taste it. And I gave to different people. And I had another friend whose husband had celiac and another, you know, I knew this one and that one. And people were like, this is so good. And I was giving out the recipe and everyone said, you are out of your mind. No one is sifting because you have to sift seven different ingredients. It had to be sifted or it didn't work. And you had to blend them for a certain amount of time. And there was like, some of the ingredients was like a tablespoon, like, but it, it, it was, it was so technique sensitive. And my friend Dini, who's a big Shaytamakar here in New York, we're very good friends and her husband had celiac. And she says to me, Roy, I love the recipe. I don't have the time to do this. Could you make me the bag? And then I'll just do the, add the wet ingredients and, and go from there. So I said, okay. So I started doing it for her and she told someone and someone told someone. And within a month or two, I was making 75 bags a week on my dining room table. My kids were my little helpers. And and, and that's, that's really how the mix started. I never dreamed of being in the food industry. I never thought I was going to be a recipe developer. And, and that's really how it started. And from there, as time went on, and I started working with women and, and helping women, I ended up really falling upon a niche that wasn't my issue, but just Hashem just kept sending me. I mean, I went to an endocrinologist that had a thyroid condition, but many women who go to endocrinologists go because they have either, you know, um, pre-diabetes, diabetes, blood sugar issues, PCOS, infertility. And this doctor kept sending me clients and he kept educating me. And I worked with him and he referred me to learn under a hormone specialist, a pharmacist who's a hormone specialist here in New York. And I spent hours and hours, like I paid her to train me. And I really learned just really in depth how to work with people that have hormone issues. And um, that's when I realized the gluten-free mix was great, but for a lot of people, it's too glycemic. And that's when I created the low-carb mix and then the grain-free flour and then the grain-free dough mix. Um, and then sourdough was, you know, for there were other people that needed that. And I was just really my, I just became, it became my mission to find a way that everyone could wash and bench and feel good too. And because I don't believe in a one-size-fits-all for anything, um, I always say the proof that I don't believe in a one size fits all is that I have like five different kinds of flour and 10 different ways of making bread with yeast, without yeast, you know, long ferment, no, no ferment, you know, and, um, but I, I'm, I think because I missed benching and I saw the need and I became aware that so many people weren't washing and benching in a way that was empowering for them. Ah, I'm just gave me this drive to do it on the Siata Dishmaya to make it work. It's absolutely, it's your, it's absolutely incredible. And and what's shouting <laughs> out at me is how you take again the obstacles and how it's actually just opened up an entire world. I was so super excited that I could get a recipe book and I don't have to go say, well, I can't put this in and put this in and put this in, and you just close down the recipe book. 
because, you know, um, yeah. nobody is sensitive to the fact that you're gluten-free and dairy-free and I'm allergic to eggs and whatever have you. And again, you do land up eating, you know, your butternut squash and 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 and, and, and that's the end of that. So, you know, um, for, for our listeners, the book Food You Love um, is available in the Jewish bookstores in Johannesburg. And um, we're going to speak a little bit more about that. But now you've got a lot of beautiful, beautiful recipes and you can make really a, like a Kovadika Yontav meal, a Shabbos meal, yeah. and it can be fit for a king and nobody will even know. I, I've come to a point in my life where I serve in my family and nobody goes and complains, oh, this is your food, you know, not our food. In fact, on Shabbos, I had somebody and she goes, I love coming to you. You eat so healthy and look how nice the food is, you know. Yeah. And it, 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 mm-hmm. if, if it's presented nicely and, and it tastes good, there's no reason, you know, why we have to keep on defaulting back to whatever it is, the preservative sources or whatever it is that, you mm-hmm. know, that, that is making us ill. Like my little six-year-old always says, Mommy, is that gluten-free? <laughs> <laughs> I want to mention one other thing, though, because, you know, again, I mentioned my liking to talk, like really loving to understand what life was like before, you know, before this most recent generation or two. And um the abundance also, you know, listen, Baruch Hashem, I do, I, I do, I, I'm, you know, I do make a lot of food when I, to me, it feels like a lot even still, because there are different people in my home that have different preferences or needs. Like for, if I was making the menu just for me, it would be like sourdough, maybe confit, chicken soup, chicken, two vegetable sides, and like uh, apple crisp at most. Like I'm happy. Like I don't need more than that, but I have one child who doesn't like chicken unless it's like very sweet chicken. I don't really want very sweet chicken. So I always make a meat and this kid won't really eat much of the vegetable side, just a couple of them. So I end up making a lot of the same vegetable side, but I want a different one. So I end up making more because of the needs of the different people. But even within that, it's still probably less than your typical average, you know, from home with the many, you know, courses and the puff pastry thing and the this and the that and all the different things we make. And I, I discussed this with my grandmother once too. And she said, in Europe, I said, what was it like on Shabbos and Yantif? Was it more? She said, a little more, but it was nicer. She was, that's what made Shabbos food, Shabbos food. And that's what made Yantif, Yantif food was during the week. She was, we often had courses during the week too. My mother often made a soup because it just went so far. You know, you, you got to use, they didn't have so much. So vegetables, you mix it with water and spices. And now you can, it stretches. That was where the mindset came from. But um, she said on Yantif, everything was just nicer. It was better. It was served more beautifully. Um, and we were dressed and it was just, it wasn't necessarily that we had more, it was just nicer. And mm-hmm. I think that that's a very misunderstood and, and kind of got misstrewed or whatever, if that's the right word, um, in, in, in our generation today, because we have so much abundance. It has become this gluttonous, I, I dare to say the word, but like there's, it's overload. It, nobody yes. needs that much food. And so on the one hand, I do very much try to show people how they can make all those foods that they love. I have the sweet chickens and the sweet meats and I have all these nice, wonderful starchy sides and tons of veggie sides that kind of mimic what you're looking for in a starch. Like I have this cauliflower farfel and I have a, I have a luxion kugel made of cabbage and I have an amazing broccoli cauliflower kugel and I have this cabbage confit and all these colorful roasted vegetables and stir fries and celery root rice and all these things that, you know, I love the idea of having three things on a plate. 
or even pour things on a plate. So that's where I talk about having like your protein, your your complex carb starchy side with like two veggie sides. There's so much color on the plate. But really, you know, if we, I think that the making a composed meal is also something I talk about and teach about in, in the book. And when I speak is making that macro balanced meal without having like three starchy sides and three meats. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's out of balance. We are speaking to Rory Weisberger and we are talking about how, how to make Yontif and Shabbos fabulous and you can do it in a very, very healthy way. A reminder to all our listeners that uh, Fagi and I run a WhatsApp group that you can join. It's not spammed. We are the only admins. Um, you just need to send your name and your cell phone number to info at highfm.com and we will gladly join you. And what we do every single day is just drop a thought, a recipe, an idea and uh, we try to motivate you on your way. This is 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Rory, one of the things that um, you mentioned was that while food is an ikar, food is a foundation, we have to look after our health in other ways. Can we? We've got like ten, a 10-minute ten segment now. Can we discuss what else must we put into our lives to ensure that we do have vibrant vibrant health? Many other. Uh, well, first and foremost, you know, I wanted to say, I actually just wrote it down, the word lechem, which I'm very into, I shared all about that, and milchama, really have the same show rush. They both, they, you have that word in, in, in there. And that I can really, just for our listeners, lechem is bread yes, and milchama yes. is a wall. Right. And that really the um, Jewish book, Sarm, talks so much about this concept. And I learned this a lot with my husband in the early years. When I was changing my health, I had to change my mindset in a very big way. I, you know, food is a very integral part. We feel very attached to food and, and, and that's normal and we should. Food is comfort, food is enjoyment, food is recreation. But food is really meant to nourish us and really creating a respectful and dignified relationship with food. You're living on a different plane. It's not that same battle of like, oh, but I want it. It's like when you start to identify yourself in this dignified way and I want to treat my body when I, the words I like to use is respect and responsibility. My name is also Rory and I happen to love ours and I have Rory recommended and Rory's recipe. So it really works also. So let's call it spade a spade, you know, but respect and responsibility is really the mindset um, around food and really just shifting the mindset to, I want to nourish my body. There's nothing, I don't believe there's anything restrictive about the way that I eat. I give my, I, if there's something I want, I make it. I make it, it with with ingredients that are respectful to my body. And I try with Hashem's self one day at a time to eat it in a respectful way. I, I have a friend who has young children and I, I think it is such a beautiful habit. My daughter actually babysat for her this summer and she told me that she's trained her children from a, even the youngest of age that eating is in a high chair. You know how a lot of us, you know, we give our kids the pretzel and the go in here in the car and they're walking around with Cheerios and like just that that lack of mindfulness and just eating is sort of like, you know, unconscious and mindless. And she just said she thought it was a healthy habit to instill in them that you eat in a high chair or you eat in a table. And my daughter really noticed it. And she thought that it was like so dignified because it gives them that message from the youngest of age. It's not even what we're eating. It's how we're eating it. So I would say the first, that's just one, one piece. You know, that's, I don't know if that's so, so much of a healthy habit, but it's a mindset shift. 
um, that I think really makes a very big difference. Um, and then another thing is that and I think people find that difficult, especially when you are feeding your body food that, like we said before, give your body the instructions to crave more carbs and feel lethargic. Your body is actually getting instructions to feel very hungry when your blood sugar is spiked, when you're eating processed foods, when your microbiome is not balanced, you actually do crave more carbs and sugar and you're hungry all the time. But when you reset your hormones and your taste buds and your body through changing your diet, you actually do give your body different instructions and you do crave differently and you, you, you are, you're more in tune to your body's cue, so to speak. So the second sort of mindset and, 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 um, habit shift is really starting to listen to your body's cues, which is very difficult in the beginning because the cues you're getting are hijacked cues. So that's just, I mean, I know I just threw a big bomb out there that needs a lot more explanation, but that's another one. And then in terms of the practical tools that I think are really important, um, besides for, you know, nutrient dense, quality ingredients, healthy food um, is, is movement. Our bodies need to move. We were meant to move in every other generation. We were forced to move constantly. Today, we sit so much. Um, you know, unfortunately, diet and exercise have been hijacked by the weight loss industry. Um, you know, I, I heard a great analogy from the woman who owns um, Home Pros. She said, water is used in a washing machine, in a dishwasher, right? It's used in a dishwasher. What if the dishwasher companies like took over water and they were like, Water is so essential for dishwashers. It's like everything about water is dishwashers. It happens to be that, yes, it's true. Dishwashers clean dishes with use, the use of water. But that's not the only benefit of water. So it's the same thing with exercise and, I think, healthy ingredients. Yes, it also has a role in weight loss, but that's not all it does. It's so important for our mood, for our digestion, for our heart health, for our cardiovascular health, for everything. So getting in movement every day, you will just be happier and your body will work better. And sleep. Um, sleep is something that our generation, it's almost like applauded. Oh, I'm exhausted. Or, oh, I stayed up so late. It's almost like we think we're like a hero if we do. So there's, um, I once heard this martyrdom. It even says dumb in the word. It's like, it's <laughs> dumb, you know? And I think that it's, it's, a, it's a hard piece. I would have, I would venture to say that of all of the health habits that I talk about and teach, I get the most resistance when I talk about sleep and the things we need to do to protect our sleep, like turning off our electronics an hour before bed, winding down, really having healthy hygiene habits around sleep. Um, I'm so not coming from a hilltop. I struggle with it. It is a struggle, but it's it's something that I have seen in my life and in the lives of so many people that I've worked with is really what I call a keystone habit. Because when we're not getting adequate sleep and we're always walking around tired and wired, we're not going to have the energy to move. We're not going to be have the ability to make healthy food choices. Our hormones that tell us when we're hungry and full get totally skewed. Leptin levels go down when we're not getting enough sleep. Remember, my endocrinologist once said, if you can come up with a, a pill, vitamin or medicine, that can increase your leptin levels, you will be a multi-bazillionaire. He's like, it, there's no way to increase leptin levels other than sleep. So, you know, it, it's hard. Our lives are demanding. We have a lot to do. We have a lot of balls to juggle. And it is very, very hard to put ourselves on the map and make these changes. It is very difficult. And I'm the first one to say it wasn't easy. It isn't easy. It's not easy to maintain it. Um, and I have people that tell me like, okay, Rory, you're not realistic. Like, 
And I'll say, okay, I totally respect that. I hear you do the best you can. But I, I picked my heart. It is very, very hard to do these things. I'm, I'm not denying it. But it's really, really hard to not feel good. And I think that my son always says this, because he's, thank God, Baruch Shem also like really works on these habits. He says, you know, when you don't know what it feels like to really feel good, you're not going to fight for it because you don't really even know. You just get used to it. Mm -hmm. But when you know what it feels like to feel good, and then you sabotage that through not doing the things you need to, to make it, you, you feel the void so intensely that that becomes your motivation to say, I know this is hard to do, but I want it so much. I think, I think that's a very, very powerful thing. And I think um, certainly looking personally in my life, and I think in, in Faggy also, I'm, I think I'm speaking for you maybe too, <laughs> is that you change one, if you start just changing one habit, it's not like going from zero to a hundred in, in, in one second. You know, in the beginning, I only did this and then I did this and I did this. And then eventually you come to a point where you do appreciate your good health. You appreciate your vibrancy. And when you slip and you go, I I get so upset with myself when I let myself go, say, on a Shabbos in in a extreme way. I allow myself a treat. I allow myself to, I I love, I'm a chocoholic. I love, you know, Mm. climbing into it, but it's fine if I eat one piece. There used to be a time where I could eat an entire bar. And if I push myself that far, I feel so sick afterwards. I say to my family, please stop me from going back down that road because I feel so sick about my body can't take it anymore. And I think that People need to, as you've said, listen to their bodies because as you do feed your body the good stuff with food and you're getting your sleep and you're getting your balance, your body actually gets a vibrancy. And when it when you start um, destroying it again or you start like taking advantage of it, it actually starts screaming out very loud. You know, Adel, speaking mm-hmm. about Shabbos, you know, when it came to Sundays, I used to feel so tired, so drained, so exhausted. And it was never really from entertaining so much. I mean, during the week, I'm almost busier than I am on Shabbos. And when I started realizing what gluten was doing to me, and that literally just one bite of challah or just a little bit of gluten, that I would like pass out from it. And like you were discussing about, you know, having the challah on Shabbos and, you know, being able to binge or not. But also going back to what you're saying is just that, like educating, like understanding what all this does to us, the no sleep. They know they not like not enough hydration, not enough exercise, eating these types of foods, that it does have an effect on all of our health. Mm-hmm. And interesting because people ask me all the time, like, well, where is weight loss? What weight loss come in the picture? I never hear you talk about weight loss. And I say, yeah, it's exactly. I I'm not I'm not a weight loss health coach. I am a health gaining uh health coach. And I talk about ways of gaining health. Um, I'm actually right now in the process of getting certified now with Taharenu which is an organization that helps women with Sahara issues and how that correlates to different women's health issues. And I've been in touch with my Rabbi Melber because he, he's been sharing so many of these problems that women face. And a few of them, he said, if you lose weight, it will help. And I reached out to him and I said, I wanted to educate him. And he was so macabre. I mean, he wants to, you know, he's like, come out with a course and then we'll tell everybody like, and I told him, it's not necessarily about losing weight. I've worked for Hashem with countless women who have had whether it's estrogen dominance or PCOS and infertility or irregular cycles and issues who were able to regulate their cycles. And in many cases, I've even helped with Hashem help really just to even help women get pregnant who were struggling. And they, it wasn't necessarily about losing weight. Sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't. 
It was learning how to feed their body in the way that was right for them. Weight loss is usually a side effect of a healthy lifestyle. Um, and I think that, you know, sometimes that focus really gets in the way. Absolutely. We've been speaking to Rory Weisberg, and this is 101.9 High FM. Rory, we have a couple of minutes left to our shows. Just I feel like I, I can talk to you forever and ever, and we've hardly like we've like scratched the a few questions. Where can people get hold of you? Do you do you coach internationally? We're obviously, you know, we're talking in South Africa. You're yeah. you're, you're you're on the other side of the world. Or how 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 can they follow you? How can they you know, um, learn more about what it is that you've discovered. Thank you. So, well, first of all, my book really is not just only a recipe book. It's really a handbook. And there's a lot of information in the book. There's a whole introduction section about understanding macronutrients. Um, and I really try to pack it with as much content and education as possible. Um, I also write an article monthly in Mishpacha magazine and family or in family table. Um, we also try to educate on different elements of health. Um, I also am on Instagram, full and free is my tag. And I'm on there basically every day sharing all different information. Um, I was coaching one-on-one -on -one and doing group, but I stopped when I wrote the book because it was literally a full-time job. <laughs> um, and then Baruch Hashem, my daughter got married right after. And I am now in the process after Yantif of starting to create courses um, on health. I have a really, I, I hope it's going to be much less, but I, a really a way of educating more for like general health and then for specific issues. And once the course is out and available, then I hope to start coaching both in groups and individually in collaboration with the course. Um, I really found that having to educate so much to each individual person was just so time consuming. And I thought having a lot of that information that people can learn on their own through the course, um, it would just really be a time saver and enable me to reach more people. So that's my next project. Well, that sounds super exciting. I hope that these courses are also going to be online. Yes, yeah. All of them are going to be online. And you're going to take into account that we are nine hours ahead or six <laughs> hours behind. Yeah, so no, my, my, plan, my plan is to actually make them recorded so that people can listen to them at their leisure. Um, and then if need be, if they, I'm hoping to make them so in depth and clear that many people will really get enough from the course itself and really have enough tools to make the changes. And for people who have more of a specific issue or, you know, need more handholding than to make private available, but they'll hopefully be able to get so much of that information on their own time. Some people need warnings or, you know, really fit into your life. So that's, that's the next project. <laughs> I didn't take my hat off to you because when I come to America and go into the grocery stores and see the amount of products that you can buy off the shelves, and I'm not so sure I'd be making my own sauces at home. So definitely well done to you. <sighs> well, you. there you have it. And that means to all our listeners at highfm.com, you can have a healthy yontiv and you can enjoy and you can feed your body as much as we always concentrate on feeding our souls and doing the right things for our neshamas. Our bodies are our, our vehicles. We need to look after them as well. So thank you so much, Rory, for joining us. We are really being very, very privileged. Again, Rory's uh, book, Food You Love and the Food and What? And that loves you which back. loves you back. Um, is available in Jewish bookstores. We will keep you updated. Um, we're going to be trying to uh, convince Rory afterwards how we're going to get get her mixes back again because that that is that is my Achilles heel. There's no there's no Rory. Yeah, no, I'm not so sure you've tried her bagels. Oh my god, I having a nice bagel and you can cut open the outside's crispy, the inside is soft. 
Definitely okay. is a treat for us. Uh, We're working on it. We actually, Baruch Hashem, we just finally got the OU, which was a stepping stone to getting out of the country. We've had a few, you know, we're, we're actually moving. We had, we knew we were going to be moving my, um, my facility, the manufacturing facility already for a while. So there were certain things we have to put in place to get out of the country, but it didn't make sense until we moved. So I'm hoping my dream is for this Pesach to have the line in other countries. Yeah. We're trying Great. not well, to do. And I still go. take care we're of going myself, to be wishing. Right? <laughs> Thank you. We wish you, Rory, and we wish all our listeners and you, Fagi, a kasiva v'chasim We should all be inscribed yeah. in a good and healthy, healthy, healthy new oh, year. And please, oh, God, after the Yonta breaks where we've eaten healthy, we will be back with more on, 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 Eating healthy. If you've got anybody that you would like us to interview, then just send an email to info at highfm.com. This is 101.9 High FM.